you could tell the sports world was trying to figure it out. <laughs> Much like you're trying to figure out the uh, the squirrel on the other side of the door right now. Hey, it's Brian. Welcome to The Other 51. This week, we're talking to Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post about what it's like being a sports writer when there's, you know, no sports. Mike, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me again. Good to be here, Brian. Wish under better circumstances, but... Uh... We take what we can, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons, obviously, I wanted to, to talk to you this week, aside from just, you know, being you and being awesome, is that we're we're in week, kind of the first full week of the coronavirus, COVID-19, uh, great quarantine, I don't know what we're calling it, self-distancing, all that. Um, and I wanted to talk to somebody who covers sports for a living about what it's like to have your job when, when there's no sports. Um, yeah. So I guess... I guess, first of all, like, just what are you guys doing? What are you doing with your life right now? Like, what are you doing professionally now that there, you don't have the games to cover? Well, I spent I spent the last couple of days watching a lot of the Iditarod. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I was kidding about that, actually, after having spent all that time watching the Iditarod. But uh, it is the last American thing going on right now. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's I guess it's fascinating and fascinating. On certain levels, but uh, hmm. um, you, you, you know, Brian, what I, what, what, what I was what I was telling somebody yesterday, I think it's what's interesting is it's it, it's almost like it's a it's a callback to your roots. I mean, look, I mean, when 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 you work at a small paper, as we both did at the beginning of our careers, you know, sure, for four months a year, we both covered St. Bonaventure basketball, but for the rest of the of the year, if you wanted to get a byline, you weren't exactly going to have to going to be able to rely on you know, a Bills game or a, or, or, or a Mets game or whatever. I mean, you had kind of had to figure it out, which really is what journalism is. I mean, you kind of figure out what stories are and you learn how to tell them and you, and you talk to the right people. And so really, in a lot of ways, what you're doing is just doing the job the way it was intended to be. And, and uh, you know, without the games as a crutch. And I don't like to think of the games as a crutch. I like to think of the games as the reason why we do it in the first place. <laughs> but, I mean, in, in, in these times, I mean, you know, you have no choice, and it's it, it, it's really sobering the first time you, you turn on the TV, and uh, I, I think most cable systems are probably changing it now, but I know the first couple of days, it was, it was telling you all the things that were supposed to be on, but weren't, and now what you're getting is a bunch of nothing, and so, <laughs> and so as a sports fan, you know, not just a sports writer, but as a sports fan, that's an adjustment, and I think that that's part of, you know, the story that we have to tell is, is uh, you know, and, and obviously there are certain days that are different. Yesterday, today with the NFL, there's actually news happening. I mean, around here, around here, we kind of had a you know a, a little manna from heaven over the weekend because Rick Pitino became the Iona coach. And that, that story kind of fell out of the sky, so we kind of milked that for a couple of days. So um, there'll always be news, you know. And unfortunately, somebody will probably die in the next couple of weeks, and they'll probably write a little bit about him that maybe I wouldn't have written otherwise because I just don't have anything else to write about. But, you know, it's, I, I think we go back to what I was saying before. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's really just a test of, of kind of remember, remembering why you did this, why you got into it, and what you did back in the day before your, your days were kind of defined by one game after another. I want to get back to that, obviously, but I want to go back to last week. So last Wednesday was when the NBA announced it was going dark. Um, the Rudy Gobert situation happened, and I'm wondering, and then Thursday was kind of like the cascade, I think. That was the day you guys had the, the back page of the day the sports went quiet or went black. Yeah. I forget what was Stop. that. Yeah. The, the day the sports world stopped. 
as a columnist, as someone who charged writing about this, and as a sports fan, just what were those two days like for you? Surreal. I mean, it really was um, because it was, you know, it, it, it seemed like just a, a whole lot of half measures of sports where was trying to uh, was trying to engage in to try and figure out how to make this palatable for everybody. Um, the whole idea of, you know, first the limited media contact, which I thought was even when it happened, it was like it was almost almost laughable. Um, but then the idea of playing in front of empty stadiums and empty arenas and, and, and that just seemed you know, too enormous to pull off. And, and it just seemed like there were, that there were problems with that, you know, cause there's people going to be in there. It's not just going to be, it's not really going to be empty. And so it, it kind of all culminates with that morning when I think in four or five different conference tournaments, everybody's on the floor warming up and everybody, you know, winds up, you know, getting off the, getting called off the court, except for the, the garden where they actually played a half a game between the St. John's and Creighton. I wasn't at that game. I was supposed to be at that game, but because, there was a global pandemic. I figured it was probably, <laughs> there were probably other things for me. There's more important things for me to write about. But I mean, it was just bizarre. This game is going on while while the rest of the world is basically systematically shutting down, at least the rest of the sports world. And that was, I mean, it was just it was just very strange to watch, you know. Because and look, once that you know, it's interesting. Once the once the NBA shut down, it almost seemed inevitable. Everything else was going to happen that way, even if it took a small or you know, even if it took longer for that to happen than it than we ever thought it would, but you know, once once that happened, I mean, the 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 the, the, the dominoes that fell, you know, and I think a couple of them were really you know were really harsh. I mean, look, when even even if you can see it coming that the NCAA tournament is going to get postponed or canceled as it was, it still it still kind of hits you like a ton of bricks when it happens. You know, the same thing when you hear about the Masters. Same thing when you hear about. You know, the opening day of the baseball season. I mean, all, you know, one after the other, all these things kind of come tumbling down. And it's just a reminder that things aren't normal, you know. And and, 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 and in, a, in a weird way, I'm looking, you and I both lived through 9-11 and, and what that did to the sports world after that. But there was always a sense, even as terrible as times were, that it was very temporary, that we we're going to take a little pause. But on the other side, sports was going to be there for us, as it always has been. But this this is different. I mean, you know, we can't rely on sports to kind of be, have, you know, kind of, you know, uh, uh, binding our wounds from from what's going on every day. It's part of every day, and that makes it a very you know very fundamental difference. Yeah, one of my students asked me in the sports writing class, um, what if I had any seen anything like this? And this was Friday, so it was as things was happening. And I said, the closest thing was nine eleven, but even that was different. Not just because you knew it was temporary, but because like high school sports kept kicked in pretty close after nine eleven. It was the weekend after, mm-hmm. like, maybe a minimum a week after. I, I don't remember, but it was that kind of sense of we're not going to have pro sports because of the big big gatherings. But you have the the local sports, the high school sports, and that kind of like you know kind of concentric circled out. But now there's, I mean, there's really nothing. You know, we we got to keep you know keeping kids safe and and canceling high school sports as well. So it's it's. I've used the word unprecedented in my class so much my kids are sick of it, but it really is. I can't think of anything close to to something like this. Look, I mean, during World War II, baseball actually went to President Roosevelt and, and volunteered to shut itself down and said, you know, if, if this is what has to happen, this has to happen, you know, extraordinary times. And even in a global war, you know, President Roosevelt wrote what he, what's famously been called the Green Light Letter, where he told baseball – you know, quite the opposite. We need baseball now more than ever because it's an essential part of American way of life. 
and it's going to be a distraction for people who need a distraction. And, you know, that was really kind of the gold standard. In fact, you know, we, we, we all know that Pete Rozelle almost took that advice a little too literally by not canceling games, you know, two days after President Kennedy was assassinated. But um, for the most part, you know, that's the thing about sports, you know, at, at their at their best, they really are. Like, I mean, d- during 9-11, I mean, I, I, you know, we, you know I don't want to say that, 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 that any any area's pain or suffering was worse than anybody else, but I, you know, I was in and around New York in 9/11, which was a, a tough place to be, and there were a lot of people who were hurting. And look, I mean, even people who didn't like the Yankees, you know, kind of invested themselves in the Yankees as they went on that great run into Game Seven of the World Series because it was something to think about other than the misery of every day. And that's what sports is supposed to be, and that's what sports is supposed to allow us. And we don't have that now. I mean, it's just we, we just don't have. It. We can. I mean, it, it, what, what, what's wonderful is you know I, I had a column last week where I suggested about ten or fifteen full games on YouTube to you know watch mm-hmm. one a day and you know occupy your time. Every day there seems to be a pretty cool you know question on Twitter or social media. You know, name your five favorite. You know, yeah, I, I took part in one yesterday. Name your favorite basketball team with only your favorite players, not the best players. I mean, this you know this is the kind of thing that's going to go on and on for the next couple of weeks, months, however long this takes. And that will be helpful, but you know the, the the fact is, at the end of the day, there's just no new games to be able to wrap ourselves up in, and you really, I think, forget just how much we think about the daily the dailiness of baseball season, for example, as 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 almost a narcotic, and it really kind of is, and you really appreciate what that means now when it's just not there for you, and you have to kind of quit a cold turkey. Very nice throwing putting Lanier on your team. I appreciated that, of course. <laughs> I wouldn't be I wouldn't be allowed back to campus if I put Kareem on instead. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, going back to last week, was there one cancellation uh, suspension of a league? Was there one moment that kind of hit you harder than the other ones? I think you'll appreciate this, Brian. I actually wrote this. I mean, to me, the the, the moment that it was obvious they weren't going to be able to have fans at the first four. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two years I've been there, obviously two years ago on a happy occasion because of our bodies. Last year I was there with St. John's, uh, a less happy occasion for them. But the great thing about nobody wants to be there ever. No, nobody, I mean, even the 16 seeds feel like they're being shortchanged because there are other 16 seeds that aren't being forced to go there. But nobody wants to go to Dayton and play there. Obviously, you know, we remember what it was like two years ago. It felt like a snub. Uh, not being in the main draw, going to Dayton. And yet when you go to Dayton for those two games, it's such pure, unadulterated basketball joy. Look, I mean, there, were, there, was, a, there was a lot of bottom two people there two years ago, but it was mostly locals who come and fill out every seat there. I mean, at least half of the seats are filled by locals who just come because they love basketball. And that's that's a sense that really pervades when you're in the building there. I mean, it's it's a... Uh, it's uh, it's it's a funny, it's it's kind of a weird experience. You know, nobody, like I said, nobody wants to be there. And yet once you're there, it's almost an addictive thing, and you really never forget just how much joy uh, is in that building for two nights. And when it was out, this is even before it was canceled. Just you know, when they when they when they made it clear when the when the Ohio governor made it clear that there wasn't going to be able to be a crowd there that night, and they started thinking about playing those games in front of empty arenas. I mean, that that's what really hit me uh, the strongest. And look, I mean. Someone actually asked me, "Why did it take that?" Because people had actually already died from this thing before that. You know, maybe that might have been a wake-up call for you. But you know, as a sports writer and sports fan, I mean, that's what I really thought about was just, you know, those buildings. I mean, that building being empty was to me, you know, I hate to use the word because, but we'll use it relative tragic. Um, 
And then, of course, when it's not going to happen at all, and, of course, then you kind of, you know, tie that into the fact that the home team is the University of Dayton, which, you know, could, could play basketball for another 55 years and is never going to have a season like this one. Uh, and then, and, and even they know that, to have that kind of taken from them. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's almost like the capital of the, of the hurting portion of the sports world for a couple of days has been Dayton. So I want to get back to what you were talking to a little earlier on getting back to your roots and finding stories now. Um, because it's interesting, you mentioned the games can be sometimes a crutch for us in sports journalism, and I agree with that. But like me, as you said, and as you know, there's nothing in—I don't think there's anything in journalism so tied to its subject as sports is to covering games. Um, and you know, even if you're not writing about the game, you know, the games provide the the setting for so much of what we write about, and 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 the bait and the bedrock of what we write about. So kind of what are some of the things you're doing now finding columns? And obviously it's a different job for you being a columnist, having a little more freedom to write than let's say a beat writer or something like that. But what are some of the, how are you looking, where are you looking for stories? What are some of the stories you're looking to tell right now? Well, I mean, look, I mean, I, I, I was only half joking about the Iditarod before. Actually, <laughs> I, I have been watching the Iditarod because look, I mean, I'm a sports fan and looking for sports and that's kind of the column I'm, I'm going to write. You're right. As a columnist, I can tell that I can tell that story in a way. You know, no one wants to read a straight I did a ride column, but I mean, I think the idea of of trying to find you know sports in a sportsless society. I mean, I think that's the the column. That's what you know. That, that's going to get me through today for tomorrow. Um, and I think that's part of it. Is just kind of you know, look. I mean, I you know, part of my daily regimen anyway is reading everything, reading everybody, and trying to get an idea of what's going on and what people are talking about. But um, you know, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's, it's trying to have your antenna, I think a little bit more raised, you know, I mean, for instance, you know, Aqueduct is going to start racing again on Friday, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it, I, I'm not, I'm not a horse racing guy, but there's, there's gotta be an interesting story about, you know, how people are actually going to bet here because it's, you know, it's obviously the, the parlors are, guy, are, are closed down, the track is down, the fans, I mean, you got to figure out this all out online, you know, there's probably a story to be told there, um, God knows, unfortunately, there's a thousand stories about, you know, high school seniors and college seniors who've had their seasons ripped away from them. Um, and look, I mean, there's there, there, there really are transactional things about the sports that in New York that we cover every day. I mean, look, I mean, there, 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 there's no baseball going on. but That doesn't mean that Mets fans stop caring about the Mets or Yankees fans stop caring about the Yankees. And there are, and there are a lot of personalities. I mean, there was a great column by my colleague Ken, Ken Davidoff. Who found who found a minor player who was going home to Omaha, I think, and found, you know, on his on his way there, found people playing baseball, you know, having catch, you know, in an instructional league, and you know they were trying to counterbalance, you know, doing getting their work in, but also you know observing the social distancing, and and it turned out to be a fascinating column. So it's it's a reminder that you really can find, you know, stories in the everyday. Um, you know, I think we're going to rely a lot on history. I mean, you know, a lot on this day, you know, 25, 50, 75 years ago. Uh, but I mean, I think I think there's a way to do that where it's not just a history lesson. I mean, where it's, you know, kind of a lively, relevant, um, you know, thing. Uh, and I think that those are the kind of things that uh, that we're going to embrace. You know, and it's 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 it's. Uh, and I think we're starting to understand that's how it's got to be. You know, I mean, it's got to be. Um, you know, there's only one way to go about this and it's to kind of accept it and kind of dig in and, and just to make, you know, make the best of it and, and, and embrace it because they're, you know, as, as we all find out once in a while, sometimes the best stories are the ones we never saw coming. 
and the ones we never would have expected writing, and yet those are the ones that tend out tend to be our favorites over the long haul. And you mentioned the history, and I'm talking to the right guy for that, having written a couple book, history-based sports books, which are great. I'll put links to the show note, to them in show notes. Um, so if somebody wanted to, like if writers listening to this wanted to write history or like about a, a, a history story, a history column, um, and going beyond maybe what's on Wikipedia or what you can find on a quick Google search, what are some, how, how, what's the best way to start doing that? What's some advice that you would give somebody who wants to, to write the history stuff that you like, you've written? Well, I mean, you know, now more than ever, it's available to you. You know, I mean, the, you, know, you, go to, you can go to the, the, to, to, to the Times machine and you have every New York Times available. Uh, there are two newspaper archive services that I, you know, have developed into huge personal rabbit holes, newspapers.com, newspaperarchives.com. Uh, they're both, you know, look, I mean, they're both nine bucks a month. And, and if, if that's the kind of thing that you like, it's like almost getting it for free. And these are the kind of things that you can really dive in. And look, the newspapers only provide a portion of real history. I mean, because they kind of give you an idea of what it's like in the moment. And real history is, allowed, you know, is, is, is the perspective that it gives you over time. But that's a nice place to start. And it's a good place to get your ideas. And it's a great place to kind of figure out where, uh, you know, how these stories were born and where, and, and, and where they emanate from. Obviously, if you're lucky enough, there's been some, you know, maybe there's been a book or there's been a, a, a long form article written about that and you can find that. But, uh, you know, that's really where you start immersing yourself. And in, 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 in I think the the, uh, the place you got to be when you write history is is when you do a, you know, especially if you go through a newspaper for your research, you're not only reading a lot of times the stories that you're looking for, you wind up winding up reading the entire newspaper. And you find yourself almost, you know, if you're reading a, a newspaper from 1951, suddenly it's a black and white room and you're wearing a fedora and chopping a cigar. And you feel like you're, you're actually reading that newspaper in 1951. And I know that's the mindset that I get a lot of times when I've written these historical stories. And I think it's a great place to be because it gives you an, an opportunity to understand the subject in a way that, you know, might not seem possible when you're just reading the words. I'm, I'm wondering, you mentioned YouTube, um, and I'll link that column in the show notes as well, but give us one or two of your favorites that you found or that you're, you're sharing with people of the old games. Old games, well, look, I mean, I, I, I think everybody has done a, uh, everyone has done the uh, the obvious ones. The Miracle on Ice is obviously available, so sure, you know, watch that every day if you need to. Uh, for Mets fans, you know, they've, saw, they've all seen Game 6 of the 86 World Series. The ones I like are the ones that seem a little more obscure. Like, in fact, uh, the one that I think I've gotten a lot of feedback for, for, for recommending is the uh, uh, ABA Finals from 1976, which is the last ABA game ever contested. And you get to see Dr. Dr. J and David Thompson in there, you know, in all their in all their resplendent red, white, and blue glory playing against each other. Um, and uh, so that's one that I enjoy. Uh, the 1960 Game 7 is available, the, Pittsburgh, the Pirates and the Yankees. That's just great, just just because it's a slice in history that uh, you know you don't you don't see a lot of full games from that, that, that are that old. Um, just about every NCAA final 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 four and championship game going back to about 1977 or so is available. And you know the older you go, the more interesting it is. Especially if sometimes you get one that slips in old commercials; those are kind of fun. Uh, so you know once you once you get started, I mean it, it's amazing how much is out there. And, it's funny, somebody actually emailed me and scolded me that, you know, maybe the leagues are going to want to take them down off YouTube now that they're available. But as far as I know, as far as I know, they're still available. So I would like to think that in these trying times, 
uh, nobody's going to uh, to go that far. I can't wait to. I want to actually. I've been thinking about this even before all this. I want to watch old hockey games like from the seventies and eighties because I feel like no sport has evolved. Maybe football, but even I, I feel like hockey from like the sixties, seventies, and even when I was watching it growing up in the eighties, it just feels like like it was played on Neptune. It feels like a completely different sport than it is now. Well, one of the fun things on on, on Twitter yesterday was I, I guess I guess I guess in Buffalo they must have been reshowing. Game six of the '75 Finals between the Sabres and the Flyers, and our man Mike Harrington was uh, was was kind of breaking it down as it was happening. So that was, <laughs> I, and, and, and I can believe it, you know, because I mean, even just watching the Miracle on Ice. I mean, I know it's not the NHL, but you watch that game enough, and you know, it's it, it really does look like a different game. So, I mean, what are some ways you know we, we talked about finding stories and keeping your antenna up but kind of thinking more practically i think or more kind of uh kind of hands-on because you know you're looking for different stories but again without the games without the the people in practice having practices or spring training or that like you don't have the physical access or like the daily kind of you know running into people that you normally would in journalism so Obviously, we have ways to connect with people that we didn't in previous generations. But what are some of the ways that, like, kind of practically, if somebody like has a good story idea, but now what do you, how do, you, how do you go about that in this time? What would you suggest? Persistence more than ever. I mean, look, I think one of the things that uh, that we learn early on uh, in our lives as journalists is is the is the prevalence and the preponderance of the word no. And you know, whether it's looking for a job or or, or trying to get an interview with somebody, I mean. You know, the way I've always described it is it, 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 it's still great math on our behalf because for every 99 no's you get, all you need is the one yes, and that seems like a fair a fair game. And that's really what it is. I mean, look, I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the great things about writing a column in normal days or writing, just writing, if you just have a good story, is that, you know, people are generally willing to talk to you about stuff. Um, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, if you're doing an investigation, there's, you know, obviously sometimes people want to keep their mouth shut, but generally speaking, if you're just trying to do a good story, people like to help you with that because they understand that. Um, and they're, and they're more than willing in a normal occasion. That's the thing that you find that's, I think, more of a challenge now is I think people are less inclined to just be, you know, chatty to just be, uh, at least at this point in time, I think people are still kind of overwhelmed by, uh, by concern, but, you know what? I mean, that's, that, that, that's part of the trick, though, you know, for what we do. Right. I mean, we, you know, a, a lot of times if they're not reluctant to, to talk to us, they're certainly maybe not be at the beginning quite so open. And it's our challenge to, 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 to open that up. Um, I, I, I think the, 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 the real challenge is, is in identifying and figuring out what good stories are. I think this is a great time. It's, it's ironic in a time of, of, of social distancing. Thankfully, we have opportunities like this, Brian, where you and I can talk without without contaminating each other, and we actually see each other. But you can do that on a, on a staff basis. You can do that, you know, on a on a departmental basis. And I think that it's a good time to remember that you know, while we are kind of individual contract players, uh, we do belong. You know, those of us in newspapers and, and organized news sites, you know, we belong to a greater team. We have colleagues. And those guys have, have ideas. And sometimes those ideas don't necessarily fit their skill sets, but they'll fit yours. And I know that, uh, you know, I, I can just tell you with the Post, we had, you know, kind of an open call late last week for ideas uh, it's the, that, that the editors can kind of ponder and put together. And, and, and the, one, the one that I saw, you know, a couple of days later, you know, there was probably 70 or 80 ideas. 
Now, now, 20 of them are awful, and you know, 20 and 20 of them are undoable. Um, and maybe you know, and look, maybe, maybe you can poke holes in every one of them. But the fact is, that's not a bad place to start. And that's just from having you know, drawing ideas from a lot of different creative people. And I think a lot of those ideas could probably be spun off in different in different ways, you know, into different pathways. And I think that's you know that that's a key too is remembering that, you know, I, I think I think there's a lot of machismo in this business, no matter what your you know what your gender is. I mean, you want to be the guy who does it on your own, but you don't have to. And I think these are times to remember that, you know, you can you can actually lean on colleagues and lean on other people's ideas in order to make things better for yourself. So what's one story you would love to do in this gap of however many weeks we're doing? If you like, you have like your, the, the, whatever Indiana Jones was getting in the first movie, I forget the name of it. But if you had your one thing that you're trying to get, what, what's that story that you would love to tell more than any else? Life at a sports book right now, because it's gotta be, that's got to be just impossible because, I mean, they, you know, that's only just now growing traction. Forget about what you feel about morally about gambling. And the fact is that gambling in about 15 minutes has become just an, an essential part of what we do. I mean, in the post, we have three pages every day devoted just to and written by the game, you know, by, 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 by uh, gambling houses. So it's, it's an important part of what we do. And now there's nothing to gamble on. I mean, it's, you know, you can gamble on everything you think, right? But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just not there. Um, I think that, I think that's fascinating. I mean, I think, how about the empty, the, the empty poker room at Binion's when clearly, you know, whenever, whenever they officially cancel the World Series of Poker. Um, you, know, the, the, you know, those to me are, you know, there's nothing to me more poignant than an empty stadium. In fact, the very first column I ever wrote, um, well, maybe, maybe not the first one I wrote, but the first one I wrote in New York when I was in Middletown 26 years ago was the day that the, the baseball players went on strike and I was able to sneak into Yankee Stadium and then just walked around an empty Yankee Stadium for two hours. Didn't talk to anybody and yet I got a column that was bursting with life because there was nobody there. Um, it's interesting when an empty, I've, I've always thought that an empty ballpark, empty stadium, empty racetrack, empty casino, you know, we have a lot of emptiness right now. Um, and, uh, you know, the, of course, the, the trick is getting access to these empty facilities. But, I mean, to me, those are the things that if you could just snap your fingers and be allowed to do things, that would be the first thing I would do is, you know, I'd, I'd spend three hours walking around Madison Square Garden just kind of figuring out, you know, kind of listening to the ghosts a little bit. So I've asked you this last time I had you on the podcast and I ask everybody, so what's the best thing that you've read lately? Best thing I've read lately. Wow. Um, I've done a lot of, I, I've gone back and read a lot of old New York magazines from the 1970s, uh, 1980s. Um, and the early, and then they're available. Go to, uh, go to Google books and you can get every, you have access to every New York magazine, the actual magazines themselves is pretty cool. And so, you know, you know, during, during a two or three year stretch in, in 1970, I mean, you had as people on staff were Jimmy Breslin and Pete Hamill and, uh, uh, Peter Moss, and uh, it, it's it's just you know one after the other. Um, that's what I've done, and it's amazing how you know we were always taught that journalism is timeless and good journalism is really timeless, and it really is. When you look about things that were troubling you know New York in the '70s, and you have these guys who just and women, Gail Green, who knew how to write about it so expertly. Uh, those are the things that I've really been been kind of consumed with lately. Um, I'm reading the uh, John Feinstein latest college basketball book. That's always good. Always a, 
but it's also quite melancholy because it's just a reminder of what we don't have in our daily lives right now. Right. I just got out of the library, the Feinstein book that he did on Coach K, Dean Smith, and Jimmy V. Um, I haven't read that one yet, but I'm looking forward to that one. So You'll enjoy that. All right. Well, Vax, stay well, stay healthy, and uh, hopefully we'll have sports to talk about again soon. Sounds good, Brian. The good thing is that now that uh, you know, now that I've actually seen Hamilton since the last time you and I talked, I I now, I, I now know what the uh, what the what the title of your podcast is all about. So I'm very excited about that. As always, thanks for listening to The Other 51. You can find show notes for this episode and all our episodes at sportsmediaguide.com on The Other 51 tab. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. I can highly recommend Overcast for this. Our theme music is by Ellie Moritz. Thank you.